Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. Good spirit we feel here tonight, and uh, God's in this place. No telling what's going to take place tonight. And uh, I believe God really wants to do something. And uh, feel the expectancy of it. You know, if we've got faith, we believe, God's ready. That's whenever we get ready. Of course, after that introduction, my head may be so big I can't preach. Him and Brother Howard know how to swell me up, and they know how to unswell me. So I ain't going to go too far out on that. <laughs> I appreciate Brother Garrett. appreciate the words that he said. I don't deserve it. I'm just here by the grace of God. What little God's used me, well, I don't deserve that. But I love God. I love his people, and I love his ways. And I hate the devil. If you want to hate anybody, hate the devil. You won't get in trouble. I want to thank Brother Garrett for all the good hospitality, kind words he said, and appreciate him and his family. Appreciate this church. You'll go somewhere if you'll just follow God and follow the man of God. You'll keep pursuing the way you're going. God's got great things for you. I was hesitant, didn't know when to do it, but he told me to tell you when I got here. If you would seek him with all of your heart. He said, I'm going to bring them in some places they've never been. I said, tonight, God, I don't know when to say that. So I just felt then to say it. It's up to you. You unify yourselves together. Begin to believe God. You go in places you've never been. You'll see things you've never seen. You'll feel the power of God like you've never known him. For the church leaving out of here is not going to be like the church today. It'll be so far of what we look at a church. Because it's going out more powerful than it was when it came in. It said the former house, it'd be more, it said the latter house would be more glorious than the former. That means power. And if it came in as an infant when it was born, what's it going to be like when it leaves here full grown? I want to be a part of that church. You know, his ways, as far from our ways, is east from the west. And we try to figure out how God wants to do it. What's going to happen when he gets everything in place and gets the church to where he wants it? The carnal mind won't understand it. The world won't understand it. Only those that have been born again, those who are led by his spirit, those who have been baptized in his name. No greater name in heaven or on earth. I'm glad to wear that name. If you'll stand tonight, we will read. I don't know which way God wants me to go tonight. I've got a direction. But I thought God just may be a little different tonight, but God's always different. He never does do it like I think he should. And I'm glad he don't. If I can get me out of the way, he's got some things to do and say. I'm going to be reading out of Judges, the second chapter, verses 6 through 13. That's Judges, the second chapter, starting at verse 6. 
And when Joshua had led the people, when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders and outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timonath, Ayers, and Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. My thought's going to be tonight, there arose a generation that knew not God or the works of God. Would you pray, Brother Greg? You can be seated. The question that I would ask tonight, are we producing a generation that knows not God? are the works of God. We find here in this reading of the text, there was a generation that rose up that did not know him or his works. This generation never knew the works that God done for the forefathers. This generation knew nothing about the slave camps of Egypt. They knew nothing about being in the workforce of Pharaoh. They knew nothing about the lashes that were laid as they worked and toiled in the field. This generation knew nothing about living day by day, looked like there was no way out or no hope. They never knew anything about seeing God begin to move as they began to gather around and pray, God send us a deliverer. This generation never seen the great works that God done for the forefathers in that day. And I'm afraid we're now producing a generation that has not seen the works that God done for our forefathers that brought this church in. I'm afraid that we have a generation now that serves the people and themselves more than they serve God. The first generation uh, of Israel, they served God because they loved Him. The second generation served God because of their fathers. But the third generation served themselves. And this is where we are today, third generation going into the fourth. We are in a generation that does not know the mighty works of God. We're in a generation in Pentecost that has never many seen blind eyes open. There's not many seen the cripple walk. There's not many seen the miracles of our forefathers. There's not many knows what the price was paid for those great men that preached and brought this gospel down to this day. They do not know all the suffering that took place through Pentecost in the early part of this century. They do not know what the price that they paid. 
We live in a generation that's a now generation. <clears throat> and this generation <clears throat> serves themselves. This generation is taught and brought up to get whatever they want. And if they don't get it, they're unhappy. This generation knows nothing about suffering. This generation knows nothing about sacrifice. We're one of the most blessed generations that's ever been known on the face of the earth. We have more today than anybody in the world, but we serve God less. And we worship God less. We uh, put God on the back burner. God is never out in the forefront in this generation. This generation has no respect for the ministry. This generation does not fear God. This generation does not know about the wrath of God. This generation has never seen the judgments of God. But this generation in Israel that was down in Egypt, they saw the mighty works that God done and how God began to move and how that God began to prepare them to bring them out of that place of, of bondage that they were in. They saw the uh, hand of God as he began to move upon the Egyptians. They saw the, uh, the, the plagues begin to come. They saw the first plagues of the water turn to blood and they went through that uh, plague themselves. And the second plague they went through of the frogs, they also went through it themselves. But then they saw the mighty works of God whenever he put a division between the Israelites and the, and the Egyptians. And then they began to see the great miracles of God. They saw whenever it hailed over in Egypt, it did not affect the Israelites. They saw in a time of darkness in Egypt, it was light over in Israel. They began to see God's hand and began to see it work. They began to see God <clears throat> put a division there whenever the hail came and began to destroy the crops that never bothered theirs. And you could see them when the cattle began to die. Their cattle uh, all lived. And we come on down to the last plague whenever uh, the firstborn was going to die of Pharaoh and all of the cattle and all of the Egyptians. That was the plague that God was going to put upon them to have uh, to get to give Israel uh, the uh, to make Pharaoh release Israel to go into the Canaan land where the promise was made. And we know that they obeyed God and took the lamb and slew it and taken the uh, blood and put it on the doorpost and the sidepost. This generation never saw anything like that. Then when the death angel come by at midnight and the firstborn were slain of Pharaoh and all of his servants and all of the Egyptians and the cattle and this generation never heard the mourning and the crying and the weeping of the firstborn dying of the, of the Egyptians and all of the cattle lowing of the lost of the firstborn. They never did know anything about any of this. They didn't, and they never had seen the works of God and the protecting hand of God. After they had fulfilled the promise of, and the blood was applied, that the death angel did not touch any of their firstborn. And they come on down to the sea. This generation had never saw, never saw the miracles like the first generation did. But when they came to the sea, there was no way across. 
They couldn't go to the left or the right. But God, well, here come Pharaoh's army in to pursue them. And uh, this generation never saw the cloud that fell down between uh, the Egyptians and the Israelites. And it gave darkness to the Egyptians, but it gave light to the Israelites. Thank God for the light. Thank God that the light always penetrates the darkness. I'm glad I'm in the light. I'm glad I'm in the truth. I'm glad I serve a miracle serving God. Oh, I'm glad tonight that I know something about His works. I'm glad tonight that I know Him and the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad that I know what His name is. I'm glad I know in whom my strength lies. I'm glad that I am under the hand of this great God that I speak of tonight. One that can do all things. One that is uh, works on the impossibilities. One that can do anything in the world. I'll tell you, we're not lost out here somewhere. We're not someplace don't know where we're going. We know who we serve, and we know where we're going. Oh, we're on a journey. We're not going to Canaan land, but we're going to a place where eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered the heart of a man what it's like. Oh, I'll tell you, we need to get our eyes on heaven and get our eyes off of the world and begin watch God do the mighty works in the last days. He said, I'll show you great exploits. He said, I'll do a great work. The true worshipers will worship me in the last days. You can be seated. No, that generation never saw whenever the Pharaoh's army come into the sea after they had parted the water. They never saw them when they stood on the bank and watched the Pharaoh with 600 chosen chariots and his army come in to pursue them. And the hand of God reached out and touched the water and it covered up the enemy. They never seen the floating bodies as they would bounce against the banks of the Red Sea. They never saw the cloud that gave them light and led them by day. They never saw the pillar of fire that was put over the Israelites to lead and to guide them at night. Oh, I'm going to tell you, God furnishes everything when He gets ready to take you on a journey. God, God equips His people with everything they need. We've got everything we need to have a perfect church and be perfected. We've got the five-fold ministry and we've got the gifts that we can only trust God and believe in God and let God do the work that He wants to do. God's wanting to bring a people into a higher dimension. God's wanting to draw some people back to the old paths. God's wanting somebody to walk in the paths of the righteous. He's looking for somebody that'll say, God, I'll follow you. God, I'll shun the world. God, I'll separate God, I'll be your chosen one. God, count me in. God, I want to see the mighty works of our forefathers. I want to see the miracles that they had in the days of old. You can be seated. This generation never saw that pillar of fire that whenever it was cold in that desert and they would sit under it and be warm. They never saw the cloud whenever it was heated up in the daytime and they would walk under that cloud and it would be real cool. 
This generation never saw anything like when the waters of Myra were bitter and the man of God put some tree limbs in it and it turned sweet. They never knew nothing about eating heavenly food. They never knew nothing about wearing clothes that they would never wear out. Wearing shoes that would never wear out. They never do nothing about uh, when they begin to want meat. Uh, how the quail come in by the thousands. Uh, they didn't know uh, all of the things that uh, their forefathers had went through and seen. Uh, this generation never saw anything. But I'm afraid we've got a generation today uh, that many of them in our Pentecostal churches has never seen a devil cast out. They have never seen uh, uh, people released from bondage. Uh, they have never seen uh, the miracles that God's got for the church uh, that belongs to it. It don't belong to the charismatics. It don't belong to the unbeliever. But this miracle and wonders and signs, they belong to the true church. They're ours. And I'm going to take my portion. You can be seated. Just because they have a false tongue don't mean there's not a real tongue. And just because there's false prophets, they don't mean there's not real prophets. And because there's false teachers, that don't mean there's not true teachers. And because there's shepherds that have went haywire and went off in wrong direction, that does not believe that we don't have pastors today. I'm here to tell you we've got pastors and we've got evangelists and we've got teachers and we've got apostles. We've got everything God put in the church. It don't belong to nobody else. It belongs to this generation. It's time that we've taken our inheritance. It's time that we stood up and stood on the promises of God and began to Believe him and trust him. Be seated. This generation never saw what their fathers saw. They never saw Jordan River roll back. They never saw someone come into this land that they now occupy. They never seen the miracle of God when they come across a, a Jordan River and they surrounded the walls of Jericho. They never saw the walls come down in Jericho. They never saw the enemy drove back. They never saw the works of God when He give them wells they didn't dig. And He give them vineyards they didn't plant. And He give them houses that they didn't build themselves. They got everything handed down to them. And this generation has been handed down one of the greatest inheritance that they could give to a generation. Your forefathers handed you down something. They believed in holiness. They believed in living for God. They believed in trusting God. They believed in praying until the power came down. They believe in standing for what was right. It didn't matter who liked it or who didn't like it. They had a backbone like a saw log. They had a heart, their mind made up. They had a head like a flint. They knew where they were going and they knew who they were and they knew how to pray and they knew how to preach and they knew how to sing. They knew how to worship. They knew who their God was. be seated. But I'm afraid that we are producing a generation that knows nothing about the demonstration of the Spirit. I'm afraid we're producing a generation that we want talent and we want to have people 
to demonstrate and the people to entertain us rather than to worship God. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be talking about anybody, but I want to tell you something. I believe that our music should be for the glory of God. I don't believe that we ought to have the music of the world. I don't believe our music is like the world. I don't believe we can be any part of the world. I tell you, I like to feel the music when there is a song coming forth and I can feel the presence of God. There's nothing wrong with music, but God's music ain't like the world music. God's music, our forefathers didn't identify with the world. They didn't act like the world. They didn't look like the world. They didn't dress like the world. They wasn't of the world. They knew God and they knew the works of God. They knew how to pray because they lived a separated life. You can be seated. But this generation is a generation that knows nothing about intercession. This generation knows nothing about altar workers. This generation knows nothing about feeding after God. You can let a preacher be in the pulpit and the enemy bring an onslaught and the people out in the congregation can feel the pressure but they don't have enough insight to pray intercessory for the man of God that he can break that uh, yoke, uh, that he can deliver to them what God has for them. They just sit there and wait till he struggles through and finally overpowers it enough. But look how much they miss. If they knew when they felt that, they'd have faith and fall down on their knees and say, God, would you touch my pastor? God, would you touch that evangelist? God, he can preach to me. i got to be fed tonight. i got to have something tonight. I can't leave here the way I came. You can be seated. That's why they had the revivals in the older days. That's why they had a move of God. That's why they saw the mighty works of God. But Israel, you'll notice in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah said to him to stand in the way and see him and said, walk in the old paths. He said, it is a good way. And he said, uh, you'll find rest for your weary soul. But they said, we're not going to walk in those old paths. We are now in a generation that says, I don't want no part of this old paths. I don't want that old Pentecostal look. I don't want my hair fixed like the granny's had back then. I don't want my clothes like that. I want to look like the world. I want to identify with the world. But I'm here to tell you tonight, this church is not of the world and this church is not going to be of the world but this church is going to be a separated people this church is going to dress for God it's not going to dress the latest fashion for the a dress like uh, the world produces today BC most of the ladies in our churches today look at the latest fashion magazines that know how to dress What's wrong with asking God how you ought to dress? What's wrong with getting down in a place of prayer and get up before your mirror and say, God, what do I look like today? Are you pleased with the way I look? God, when I go out in my city to represent you, will I be a good representation? Will they know that I'm of you? Or can they tell, can't tell me any different than anybody else in the world? I'm afraid this generation has not made a very impact on the world. This generation has been accepted by the world. But let me tell you tonight, our forefathers wasn't 
wasn't accepted. Our forefathers were persecuted. They were laughed at. They were made fun of. But they had power with God. They knew how to pray for the sick. They knew how to live for God. They knew how to get a hold of God. But this generation does not know God or the works of God. Be seated. Living in a day when they don't want to hear the voice of God. We're living in a generation that don't know the voice of God. We live in a generation that only goes by how they feel. They just know if they feel God. They don't have a relationship with God. That they can talk to God. And God can talk back to them. They don't know the voice of God. Because they've never got their self into a positive prayer. That they can pray long enough to learn the ways of God. God's ways are not man's ways. Oh, Brother Moody, God don't talk to you. I've got news for you. It says, my sheep know my voice. And another they'll not follow. And if God don't talk to you, somebody else is talking to you. Don't tell me that God don't talk to man today. Don't tell me that you can't talk to him and he can't talk to you. How do you know? How do you think I knew what to preach tonight? God told me what to preach. I didn't get it out of a book. I'm not reading it out of a, a text. But God told me what to preach. Why? Because I know the voice of God. But we have a generation now that they've got it all figured out. They think the more eloquent they are, the more educated they are, and they're forever learning and never coming to the knowledge of truth. It is the simplicity of the Scriptures that what counts. It's not how much I know. It's not how smart I am. But it's how much God I've got in my message. It's a, it's a spirit that breaks the yoke. It's not the Word. The Word finds a place in your heart. But the, the anointing has got to break down that barrier. It's got to come in and tear it down that your heart can receive what God has got for His people today. We need old-timey apostolic anointed preaching more than we need lands and cars and houses. We need a real revival in the church today like they had in the days of old. We need a spirit to sweep the the church in waves when we leave here different than the way we came. But I'm afraid the uh, demonstration of the Spirit of God has become far into this generation. Be seated. We have a generation today that has learned how to hype the people up. We have a generation today that has learned how to entertain them. We have a generation of preachers today that has become uh, become eloquent uh, and they're orators, uh, but they don't know how to touch God. And the blind lead the blind and they go in the ditch. For the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God leads and guides you into all truth. Without the Spirit of God, you're not going to find the truth. Uh, you didn't find it out of your abilities. You didn't find it out of some book. Uh, but God touched you somewhere on your journey of life. Uh, and opened your blind eyes to who he was and filled you with this marvelous Holy Ghost. You didn't get here on your name. You didn't get in this on your abilities. 
You didn't get in this on the family you were born in. You got in this because God chose you. You owe a debt you can't pay. He bypassed your neighbor. He bypassed your mother. He bypassed your father. Bypassed your cousins and your uncles and picked you up out of this world and drawed you in the house of God. You didn't get in here because somebody invited you. For no man cometh to God except he be drawn by his spirit. You could be seated. It says Acts in 1.8. He gives us the power to witness. Somebody talked to you. Or you heard a preacher. But it was God that drawed you in. It was God that brought back the powers of hell to bring you here. It was God that pushed back darkness uh, and He led you in by the same Spirit that led them forefathers out of Israel. You didn't come here because uh, of who you knew uh, or who invited you, but the heavens looked down and God chose you uh, to be in the church of the living God. We ought to praise Him every day because we are in the true church of the living God. Glory. You can be seated. This is the most unthankful generation that was ever born. They don't appreciate anything God does for them. They don't appreciate what humanity does for them. They don't appreciate what society does for them. It's just gimme, gimme, gimme. And when I don't get it, I'm not putting forth nothing. But God's looking for a people that says, Thank you, God, for that dollar bill I got in my pocket. Thank you, God, for that house I own. Thank you, God, for that car I drive. Thank you, God, for the food I got on my table. Thank you, God, for these shoes I got on my feet. God, I thank you. I can't praise you enough. You've been so good to me. I want to worship you. And I want to praise you and then you'll see the power come down be seated but this generation didn't come in that I mean the, our forefathers didn't come in that way you go back to the early century when this church come into existence or the Holy Ghost fell and the early part of this century and the move of God started out over the land they were called holy rollers. They were made fun of. I remember when I was a kid and they see somebody from one of them holiness churches. The children all made fun of them at school. And down in the grocery store, they'd make fun of the wives. Come in with their granny knots on them. Come in with their long sleeves. And they say, look at them holy rollers. They just roll around in the sawdust. They wouldn't have had to put up with the rotten eggs. They had to put up with tomatoes thrown at them. They had to put up with storefronts burnt out. But they loved God. And they served God. That's what got you where you are tonight. You didn't get here on your own. But them old forefathers that said, I love God. I've got something I've been looking for. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. I might not have houses. I might not have land. I might not know where my bread's coming from tomorrow, but I know in whom my strength is. I know how to pray. I know how to touch God, but this generation don't know how to pray. It don't know how to touch God. 
Be seated. I don't want the Methodists getting mad at me. They're the one that brought this wholeness in. They're the one that got the Holy Ghost in Topeka, Kansas. They're the ones that went and got the long sleeves. They're the one we're taught under Wesley and them for the women not to cut their hair. The holiness was set in the Methodist church. So don't get mad at me, Methodists. We're just carrying on the tradition. Just because you dropped the baby don't mean God ain't going to have somebody that's going to live holy. Don't get mad at me, Assembly of God. It was handed on down to you. You used to didn't believe in TVs. You used to didn't believe in movies. You used to didn't believe in mixed bathing. You used to didn't believe in sports. You handed that on down to us. Don't get mad at me over holiness. I'm just fulfilling what you dropped. We just carrying on the tradition. You dropped the baby. But I'm afraid that there's another generation coming on the scene in the one God movement that's dropping the baby. You be seated. We got a generation that's coming up. They don't want sound doctrine. They don't want to hear anointed preaching. They're taught by those that have been deceived because they love not the truth. And I'm going to say it just like it is. If you don't love the truth, God gives you a strong delusion and you believe a lie and are damned uh, and you're a preacher. You ain't going to do but preach lies. Uh, you ain't going to but preach untruth because uh, you don't have the Spirit of God. And then when those that receive it, uh, they have the same Spirit. And we got a generation now that's fed off of a generation that dropped the baby. They didn't believe the truth. Uh, they didn't love the truth. Uh, and now we're raising up a generation that knows not God or the works of God. Glory. Glory. You can be seated. I don't care if they call me old fogey. I don't care if they laugh at my long sleeves. I love these long sleeves. I wore short sleeves for the devil. I'm wearing long sleeves for God. Because I'm not of the devil anymore. I identify with him. Thank God for this wholeness dress. I'll tell you, our forefathers had respect for the pulpit. Our forefathers had respect for the ministry. I remember my old dad wasn't even in the church. He had one pair of new overalls was his Sunday go meeting clothes. He had one white shirt that was never wore to the fields. That was never wore to town. That was special. That's what you went to church in. That's all they had. But they wanted to reverence God. But we're living in a generation they want to come in looking like a hippie. They want to dance like a hippie. They want to act like a hippie. Well, you're not in a hippie commune. You're in the presence of God Almighty. You're in the house of God. You're in the anointed place. You're standing before the King of Kings. You're not just in an ordinary place. You have stepped in the presence of God. You ought to dress your best for God.
Be seated. Yeah, you go down to a worldly event and you're going to some place to see some uh, celebrity or some politician or go see somebody that's high up in the world. You'll put on you a good conservative suit and put you on a tie and a white shirt to, just to go see the audience of a man but walk in the church with an old slouchy pair of shoes on, your blue jeans dragging your tracks and your hair cut like a faggot and wonder why God don't move. There ain't no faggots in this church. They never had no faggots in the early church. Men were men and women were women. You shook a man's hands back then, it had calluses on it. You shake them nowadays, you think you got a wet noodle. You be seated. Every time something comes out in one of these magazines, it's a new hairdo on the men. If it's a spike, they get just stuck up as far as they get by with. You ain't got the right spirit. You wouldn't want to identify no way with one of them. You wouldn't want to wear the kind of clothes they wear. If you want you a model to look at, look at your pastor. He's the biggest hero you'll know in this world. Why don't you want to identify with a man? Be seated. The, the newest phase we've got, they got bangs now. Men. Boys. Don't know where they are or not. Comb the hair down this way. Cut it off right here. Where'd they get that? Some anointed preacher preached to them and tell them how to dress? I'm talking about a generation that knows not God or the works of God. I'm not, brother. You told me I had the liberty. I'm on a cut. You know, we ain't supposed to look like barroom girls. Some of them, I go into some churches and they got on these old sleazy dresses. You can see every part they got on their body. Get them old tight dresses on. They got these old bikinis on. You can see the imprints of their undergarment. Where's mama at? You want your little darling to find her a man. You ought to check her over before she comes to the house of God. Sit her down this altar bent over, creating lust in the boy's heart. I'm talking about a generation that knows not God or the works of God. Put on some full dresses. We're not modeling. Be seated. This generation tries to dress just as close to the fashion magazines as they can get. Sorry, right, I'm going to preach anyhow. I'm going to preach what God wants me to preach. I don't care how mad you get or how glad. I'm telling you the truth. You want to be powerful with God? Put on the right clothes. I'm preaching to you about a church that needs to get back to the old path. You 
be seated. I don't think it's a pastor's place to have to line out and tell the daughters how to dress. Look them all over. Where's daddy and mama at? I'll tell you this generation, the, the kids call their parents by the first name. This generation, they make the living and the kids spend it. It's all right. Get quiet if you want to. They tell you what to do. You don't tell them what to do. You're afraid they'll get mad. Well, let them get glad. They ain't supposed to run the home. But this generation don't know nothing about authority. That's why it's hard for a preacher to preach with authority. Mom and daddy never knew nothing about authority. You can be seated. This generation was raised in a road ditch with a poodle pup and a guitar. That was their ambition. Just let me leave a good home and find a road ditch and a cupboard to sleep in. And that mentality has floated on down into this generation. Ain't shouting too much in that. Getting in your pig pen. Tell you the worst thing ever happened to Pentecost of this world was the 60s. You're a product of the 60s, a lot of you. Can't help that, but you are. You take prior to that, you would catch a child getting smart with a grown-up. It was yes, sir, and no, sir. But Dr. Spock and all of his gang taught you a new way of life and everybody's going to hell. He failed. I'll tell you, my old dad had the best remedy. He said, build a fire in the seat of your britches and get your brain quicker than anything. He had now but an eighth grade education, but he knew how to raise boys. We worked, and when we didn't do right, we went to the shed. We wore out a lot of plow lines, not from plowing, but on the seat of our britches. But we had none of us been in jail. We're all in the church. We was raised poor as a whippoorwill. But I love my old daddy. I thank him for every whooping I got. He ought to give me more than what I had. Be seated. But we're living in a generation when parents only whoop a kid when they get mad at them. They don't whoop them because they're wrong. Just when they get on their nerves. You ought to correct the child whenever they do wrong, not mad. We've got a generation that knows not God or the works of God. I was reading back in history. They said uh, uh, right before the Civil War, the Methodists were having a meeting. And the meeting was about whether women could wear lace in their bonnets. And a hundred years later, they were having another meeting in a convention. And the discussion was, will it be all right just to do whirly dancing in the church? Come a long ways from Pentecost. And we've got some dancing and singing and playing in our church today. It's worse than any rock concert I was ever in. 
I don't, I don't dance to the beat of the rock music. I'm not a rock fan. The only rock I know is Jesus Christ. And whenever he tunes it up, I'll walk right. <laughs> I'll act right. <laughs> if I'm going to dance, it's going to be with him. I'm not pairing off with some man. I'm not pairing off with some woman. But I'm going to dance with Jesus. I done all that dancing with the opposite sex when I was in the world. But I got me a new partner when I come down to an old-fashioned altar. I believe in dancing, but I believe you ought to be dancing with the Lord. Not because you're hyped up with some music. Not because you're all hyped up with some song. But because you prayed down the power and you went and worshiped till God came down. I want to tell you tonight, we need to learn to worship and pray till the power falls down. Be seated. There arose a generation that knew not God or the works of God. Remember back whenever I was a boy, we were raised poor on the farm. In fact, we could see chickens scratched through the floor. We didn't have closets. We just had a nail behind the door. You didn't have much clothes, so you didn't have to worry about hanging too much of them up. You never had, I never owned a suit till I got up in pretty good age. We just had the two pair of uh, pants and uh, shirts a year. and But I remember back uh, in them earlier days, whenever we was on the farm, the word would come out, we're going to have a, an old camp meeting down here uh, about three miles in the valley and want everybody to come. And that was the highlight of the year. Everybody was waiting till they could lay back the crops till they could go to church. But nowadays, you can't hardly get people to church. They got to talking about how the last meeting was. They'd be shouting one another while they was plowing. Mama would be singing around the stove. Oh, they were so happy they were going down to church. And I won't tell you something. They had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and feed a team and go out and plow all day long. But they had a song in their heart. They wasn't down in the mud grubs. They wasn't wondering where the next dollar was coming from because they had their faith in God and they knew they was going to pray and seek God. They knew a preacher was going to preach to them. They had sickness. They knew they was going to get healed. They was already building their faith, getting ready to go down to about six or eight weeks of an old old-timey uh, 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 old-timey uh, camp meeting up and it would last uh, every day they didn't take no time off sometimes to one or two o'clock in the morning but why would they go that way they never got tired because they learned one thing that in the presence of the lord is your rest it's not sitting on your recliner it's not laying in your bed but it's when you come in the house of god and get a refreshing of the holy ghost there's where you find your rest it's a rest for the weary but this generation knows nothing about the works of God. Be seated. I remember Mama would come along. She had to take an old iron on an old wood stove and go get the wood and make the fire, make the iron and put it on an old homemade ironing board. Had to iron all of her clothes before we went. To, and we'd have to come in and take bath in a number three wash tub. Just had, and we went and heated the water in the sun. <laughs> Never knew what running water was. We all took a bath through the same tub. You, you wanted to be first so you wouldn't have the dirty towel when you was last, cause you didn't have but one towel. But nobody cared. It's all going down to church. They all knew they was going to get a blessing from God. But somehow, 
They'd all get ready and get in the old wagon. They didn't have a car to drive. They just got in the old wagon and off down the old road they went. And as we traveled along, you'd hear somebody coming down the road back over in this hollow, and they'd be singing, uh, and they'd be praising God in the Spirit, and on down toward the, the old tabernacle on the brush harbor they came, and when they got there, they didn't pair off and talk about the ladies' gossip. They went out in the bushes and began to pray. They was looking for the power of God. They wanted them answer. They wanted to talk to God. They had they they knew how to touch God. They wasn't in competition of who was going to preach. They just got out there and went to pray. And the preacher said, well, the first one that has the message, let him preach. They'd pray for two or three hours and directly one of them jump up and say, I got it. I got it. Well, you preach tonight. And they'd preach until sometimes after midnight. But nobody was tired. They'd fight the mosquitoes and the gnats and the old lamps they had to go out and come back too. But they didn't care. They was getting them some heavenly manna. They knew how to pray. But we don't have a generation today that will stay in prayer very long. We don't have a generation that will pray and sacrifice until heaven comes down. But nowadays we've got everything at our fingertips. You've got push button this. You've got push button that. We've got microwaves. The more modern conveniences we get, the less we serve God. We got to ironing, we got electric irons, we got push button dryers, we got push button washers. You just name it. Everything's push button. And you can pop cans or you can make microwave dinners. It takes you two or three minutes. But ain't nobody got time to serve God. They're too busy pushing buttons. But we better push back some buttons and learn to take time for God. You got time to go to places in this world you want to go. You got time to do things you want to do for your flesh. But where's your time for God? This generation needs to learn to love God and find their rest in God and find their joy in the Lord and learn joy yourself and learn living for God is a pleasure. It's not some hindrance. It's not some uh, a duty you've got to do. I thank God that I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I love this old Holy Ghost way. I love living for God. I can get beyond my troubles because I got joy in my heart. I got a song in my heart. I got a dance in my walk. I know who my God is. But this generation, automobiles, push a button, some of them will swing the seat out to pick you up. Push button of what kind of music you want. You can make it low, you can make it high. You can turn the air conditioner on, stay at any temperature you want. You can lean back in the seat and almost sleep coming to church. We got so many cell phones, we can't tell which one's ringing. We got all kinds of modern conveniences. But somehow we ain't got time for God. But them old timers worked in them fields from sun up to sundown. But they still had time for God. And I want to tell you something. When the men of the in the community, a preacher didn't matter what denomination he was, when he was steady, the men would be standing and talking, and the man would uh, and the preacher would start by. They say, "There's brother so and so." They take their tobacco out. They'd put their cigarette out. They didn't go to his church. It was respect 
for the ministry. They wouldn't chew tobacco and talk to him. They wouldn't smoke a cigarette in his presence. It was because they honored the man of God. And when he walked up, they would greet him. And they'd talk to him till he closed the conversation. Because they had a fear of God. They had a fear of God's man. They respected God. They respected the pulpit. That's why they had the revivals they had back then. And the church is going to have to get back to those old paths. Because God's no respecter of person. If it took them to sacrifice in order to have a move of God, this generation is going to have to sacrifice to have a move of God. But nobody wants to get uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be moved out of their comfort zone. Everybody wants to come and sit and let men say, Preacher, feed me. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm tired today. I'm sleepy tonight. Well, why don't you just raise up sometime and shake yourself out of that and begin to praise and magnify God and you won't be sleepy and you won't be tired. You just got in a mold where you don't know how to worship God. You don't know how to praise God. A generation that knows not how to worship God or to serve God. You remember one time at Brother Pearson's church in Douglas, Wyoming, I was struggling to preach that night. I had a lot of spirits fighting against me. But Sister Douglas, she fell down behind the pew. And I heard her praying, God, touch that preacher. God, bind them spirits. She kept praying. I kept struggling. And directly it broke. And she's a praising God because it did. She knew how to pray intercession. I said, thank God there's somebody that knows I'm out here by myself. Here's somebody that knows how to touch God. I want to tell you something. The most important thing to use when you come to church is to get what God has to speak through the man He put in this pulpit. That's your heavenly manna. You need it more than anything in the world. But we take it for granted the preacher's going to preach tonight and he's going to have a message and maybe it'll be all right. But you ought to come to church and sitting on that pew and saying, well, God, I want you to let him tell me something tonight. I need to have me an answer, God. Let him move tonight, God. I need to feel the power tonight. I need to to come in the church. We need revival Lord. And when you feel him hit a bump and you feel him get checked, you ought to be sensitive enough in the spirit to say God, now touch him God. Come on God, help him. I don't want to be, I don't I want to hear what he's got for me tonight. But no, you sis generation sits on the pew and says in their mind he's lost his text or he's not prepared. And all kinds of things that come to their mind when they ought to be praying and seeking God that the man could preach to them. I can understand why preachers get discouraged. They fight and they fight, and the saints sit out there like deadwood. We're a small generation. The preacher's supposed to do it all. He's supposed to preach, he's supposed to be a marriage counselor, a psychiatrist, a doctor. A financer. He's got to be everything. But he could preach to you if he didn't have to do all that. They never had no counseling in them days. For them old John the Baptist done their counseling in the pulpit. They knew how to address the issue. And they wasn't worried about their peers not liking it. They didn't worry about whether mama liked it. Or they didn't worry about whether the daughter liked it. 
I didn't care whether all the preachers liked it or not. Because that generation feared God. That generation respected God. That generation going to preach what God wanted preached. It didn't matter who liked it. But we now have raised a generation of entertainers. That don't really know the true move of God. And whenever a man will set up and declare the whole counsel of truth in some places, not here, he is cut off. He is mocked and talked about. They don't want the truth. They hate the truth. But in this generation, God's going to have a church. He's coming after one that has made herself ready. And I'm going to tell this church tonight, and I'm telling you in the Spirit, you got some things that God's got for you, but I want you to wake up and seek God with all of your heart and let God bring this church that'll be a lighthouse in this city, that out of this church it can cut this whole nation. We haven't got many churches anymore. We haven't got many preachers anymore. God hadn't got much left to work with. For there's a great falling away coming. They're going into apostasy. This generation has rose up uh, to worship man rather than God. Uh, they worship the creature and not the creator. They do not know who their God is. Uh, they're so worldly minded they cannot get a heavenly insight. Uh, they're so drunk upon the cares of this life and the pleasures they don't even know the move of God. They cannot move a God for prosperity or how they're blessed financially. But that don't dictate how much God you got. What tells how much God you got is how much the manifestation of God's Spirit you show in your life. A lazy generation. Too lazy to pray. Too lazy to travail. When Zion travails, sons and daughters will be born. When you seek me with all of your heart. There arose a generation that knew not God or the works of God. Where is our gifts? Has God taken them and given them to the charismatics? No. Where is our fivefold ministry? They still in the church. Where is our discernment to know who labors among us? You don't know who a man is by the countenance of his face. You don't know who an individual is by how they smile or what they look like. There's no them who labor among you. Where is our gift of wisdom? Where's our gift of knowledge? Where's our gift of miracles? Where's our gift of faith? 
This is the most faithless generation is ever on the face of earth. Don't believe nothing. They say it with their mouth. But there's no fruits of it. We have a generation that is dying in Pentecost because people just lay and sit and wait on somebody else. I'll tell you how I feel. I'm nothing. My wife asks me all the time, why do you just continually fret about what's happening in the movement? I said, because it's the kingdom of God and I'm a part of that body. It grieves me to see preachers fall. It grieves me to see them compromise. It grieves me to see people dress like the world and look like it. It grieves me when we can't have what God's got for us. Whenever the phonies and all of those are taking over our movement. Yes, I'm concerned. I can't keep from worrying about it. I lay at night and think about it. God, what can I do? God, you just let me go do it. Tell me what to do. I'll do my best. Why is it your concern? Not only because I'm in the body. I've got children. I want to grow up and know the demonstration and the power of God. I want them to know how to pray when I leave this world. I want them to know when persecution comes, they'll stand strong for the God that I put in their heart. And they'll know the power of God and the voice of God. I don't want them to grow up and never know nothing about the works of God. Never hear a prophecy. When that the Old Testament is full of it. I don't believe God speaks to man that way anymore. We'll pull out one of the five-fold ministry things. I don't believe. This generation believes in fortune tellers. They believe in sorcery. They want to hear something that appeases their flesh. They want somebody to tell them they're going to get a little more filthy lucre. They want somebody to get up here and tell them, thus saith the word of God, you're going to have uh, some money put in your bank account next month. Uh, that's what this generation looks for. But the true man of God is going to tell you where you live uh, and tell you what's wrong in your life uh, and tell you how to be saved. Uh, and he's going to preach to you uh, what God says. God's interested in saving the lost, uh, not trying to make you richer or more wealthier. When the prophets of old came to town, they was either bringing judgment or mercy. It wouldn't tell them how many more tents it's going to get, how many bigger herds of cattle it's going to have. There's no Bible for that junk. That's sorcery. But the five-pole minister perfecting and for edifying. If a prophet won't preach death, burial, and resurrection, if he won't preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, you just mark him and leave him alone. Because there's not but one message. And that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you preach any other, you, he says you're a liar. Even if an angel preach it, let him be accursed. There's not but one gospel. There's not but one faith. There's not but one baptism. And there's not but one God. 
The devil's spirit tremble that there's one God. The devils know there's one God. And if he won't preach that, uh, just mark him and leave him alone. Uh, oh, they say, I don't need to preach that. I'm a prophet. No, they ain't a prophet. All five ministries preach this gospel because there ain't no other gospel. And you're going to be saved by the preaching of the word, uh, not what some fortune teller tells you. Uh, but this generation's always wanting something. Give to them to make life easier. Why don't you sacrifice your body that you, and offer it to God? That's your reasonable service. Uh, holy and acceptable unto Him. Him and let God increase your riches. Be seated. I'm going to say something else while I'm on it because it's crossing the land. There ain't no such thing as a prosperity message. That ain't in the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteous and he'll add these things to tell you if that was the message if prosperity determined how close you are to God Ahab would have went up and Elijah would have went down they better call Apostle Paul back and talk to him he was one of the greatest but he never got too wealthy did he no we want something to tickle our ears we won't do anything but pray fast to seek God. I know you say, brother, we've been praying and we've been fasting. I'm not taking that away from you. That's what makes this atmosphere tonight that I can preach to you. This is what puts you in the place that I can sit and tell you the truth. If you wasn't fasting and praying, you couldn't receive some things that I'm saying. But because you prayed and sought God, He's telling you a truth tonight. He's telling you to get back to them old paths. Rise up above this apostasy and come on and live for God. That's why you prayed and fast. And get ready to hear from God. And give you an ear for the Spirit that you know the sound from God's coming. God's trying to tell you something tonight. Be seated. There rose a generation who know about God. Are the works of God. And it don't take no blind man to see that the church today is going down the same road. They begin to serve the people and worship Baal and Ashton. And today they become people worshipers. It's how well somebody can sing. How well they can play. How well he can preach. How he handles himself in the pulpit. How he's got ministerial efforts. Preacher shouldn't get up, get his hair all messed up, yell and scream. People's not hard here. God's not either. He ought to say all he's got to say in 15 minutes. Why does he have to spend an hour or two spitting and studying? That's the way they be. But thank God for preachers. I've seen Brother Garrett get off a while. He get wilder than I do. I've seen him run down the pews. If I was to run down the pews, I wouldn't be here tonight. You'd be picking me up between the pews. I'd lose my anointing and all my victory. But I ain't Brother Garrett. And he ain't Brother Moody. But you got a preacher to preach to you. You better thank God for it. I thank God for these men that have preached the truth. I thank God for Phil White and Brother Garrett, Brother Howard, 
these young preachers that's my juniors. I thank God they're going to carry it on. I thank God they're going to try to wake up a generation. I thank God they've got anointing on their life. I'm not jealous of them. I'm glad to know them. I appreciate them. I'm glad that they are my friends. I'm glad I know who they are. I'm glad that they'll preach what God gives them. But we have a generation coming up, you can be seated, that don't want this kind of preaching. I was preaching out in California. I won't name the church. But there was a preacher that I had preached for three or four nights. We had a tremendous move of God, not because of me, but because of God. He went to his former pastor that he had grew up under, an older minister. And he was so thrilled about the message. He said, would you take this tape and listen to this message? He said, yes. He wouldn't listen to it. He went over the next day. What would you think about it? He said, every bit of it was true. He preaches just like they did 40 years ago. But we don't need that today. He said, Brother Moody, it just broke my heart. I thought he'd be thrilled about it. He used to preach the same thing. I'm talking about a generation that knows not God or the works of God. Don't want truth anymore. But I believe I'm preaching to a church tonight. That you've got your mind made up. I'm tired of this way it's going. I'm tired of seeing fall away here, fall away there. I'm tired of coming to church not seeing the things that God's got for us. I want to see what they did. I don't want to hear about what they've done a hundred years ago. I want to see it happen in this generation. I want to see the miracles. I want to see the signs and the wonders. I want to see the great emancipation of God. I tell you, I know you've seen some, but I'm talking about in general. I'm talking about we're not where we ought to be. We hadn't got to where we ought to be. My church is not. I'm not. I'm still searching, trying to get closer to God, closer to God. But I'll tell you how I believe. I believe in my city, when our church gets the place God wants it, I believe that we can be preaching and praising and the power of God will be so strong that it'll reach out in the streets. And when they drive by, they'll feel the power of God and say, I'm coming in there to see what it's all about. And when they walk in those doors, they're going to feel the power of the Holy Ghost and say, that's what I've been looking for. And come right on down to the altar and pray through. And I believe I'm going to see the blind come in a staggering with a cane. And they walk up and say, I want prayer. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And they're going to say, I'm healed. And throw their cane away and say, I want was lost but now I'm found I once was blind but now I can see I believe that I believe God wants to do that by his stripes we're healed God wants us to be healed God give us a miracle God wants us to have them but we're not in the shape to, that we can handle them I believe I'll see the time whenever the cripple comes in you'll see the crutches set over here you'll see them healed I know you saw many healings. I saw many healings. God's healing, but not like he wants to. he got a lot more. He wants us to have enough faith, but first he wants to save. He come first to seek and to save that which was lost. It's going to take the truth to save us. It's going to take holiness living. It's going to take separation from this world. It's going to take loving God more than anything in this world. Serving God, like I said the other night, regardless of the circumstances. 
just get up and say, I'm going to church. I'm just so tickled. I can't wait to get these dishes washed. I can't wait to get these kids ready because something's going to happen down church tonight. I just know it is. Well, how do you know? Uh, you might, your companion might say, because I was praying today and God told me that it was. God told you that it was. Yeah, I know the voice of God. God said something's going to happen tonight. And you build your faith. And then it touches somebody else. And they build their faith. And you begin to tell one another. You know, I prayed and prayed. And God spoke to me and told me that He's going to fill that one with the Holy Ghost tonight. And He filled them. And faith builds on faith. And the church is rising above this apostate time and begins to learn the manifestation of God and learns the works of God and begins to trust God and believe God. You can stand. But are we producing a generation that will never know even what we know today? For three generations will change any organization. The third generation is here. We read in the Bible. Pentecost is in its third going into its fourth. We're in the time, according to all statistics, of every institution or every movement has went down in the third generation and the fourth. But what are we going to do about it? Are we going to seek God? We're going to say, God, I'm not going that way. God, I'm going to seek you with all my heart. Every individual that has the Holy Ghost in the church ought to be seeking God with all their heart. It's not for some to and some not to. You're, you're deceived. You've got to have this manna like everybody else. You've got to have the power of God in order to live and separate it in this world just like everyone else in here. This is not just for a few to pray. It's not for those that are spiritual. It's for everybody that has the Holy Ghost. It's your duty and your obligation to carry your load. It's not for your neighbor. It's for you. You've got to have the manna. You've got to have the power. Because when you face God, it's not going to be your brother or your sister stand in your place. It's not going to be no excuses. You have to stand alone. So you're going to prepare yourself to meet God on that great and notable day. But if we learn to pray individually until the power came down, you just say, I'm going to start revival and I'm going to draw me a circle and I'm getting right in the middle of it and I'm starting with me. I'm going back to those old paths and I'm going to search for them and I'm going to walk in them. I'm going to ask God to show me the way. I'm going to ask God to teach me His ways. I'm going to ask God to show me how I ought to dress, how I ought to act. Give me His eyes and give me His ears and let Him speak through my mouth and let me learn the things of God. But are we going to let this generation pass off the scene? And they'll one day read their sermons. And they'll one day pick up their prayers off the back of the pew. And they'll read their little prayers that came from headquarters somewhere. They'll sit out here dead on the pew because they know nothing about God. Because our generation failed to bring it on to them. And now they know nothing about the demonstration. And now they're blind and the blind have led the blind. And now they're on their way to destruction. All because a generation would not rise up. A generation would not get a burden. 
a generation would not seek God with all their heart and pass it on to the next generation that they might know the mighty works of God that they might know the power of the Holy Ghost and they might understand the things that God would have them in this generation. There arose a generation. Are you going to be part of that generation? Are you going to pass on to your children apostasy? Are you going to hand on down to them? Come to church. Don't feel God. Just say, I once had the Holy Ghost, always the Holy Ghost. Then condemn the Baptists because they believe once saved, always saved. You think because you had it in 1912, you still got it? Well, if you still got it, you'd have a song in your heart. You'd have a praise to God. You would worship God. You wouldn't sit on your pew and watch everybody else worship. Though you'd be down praying God and telling God how much you love Him and asking God to teach Him your ways. Uh, you would you, you would learn how to pray. You'd learn how to seek God. You'd get back to your first love. You'd pray for that old time power you got one time. You'd say, God, I don't feel like I used to. I hadn't felt your spirit in a long time. God, would you move on me? Let me feel my prayer. Give me back to my first love. Let me feel the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost like I did the night I prayed through. This Holy Ghost don't get old. This Holy Ghost don't wear out. This Holy Ghost don't grow dormant. This Holy Ghost gets greater as the days go by. This Holy Ghost grows. This Holy Ghost is not a dying a spirit, but it is a living spirit. Oh, we ought to entertain it. We ought to stir up the gift that's in us and seek God with all of our heart and produce a generation that knows God and knows the works of God. Oh, glory. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help me, Lord. Oh, Lord. Teach me your ways, God. Get me back to the old landmarks. Get me back. Oh, the old paths. That I might walk therein. For it is a good way. That I might find rest for my weary soul. But this generation says no. I'm not walking in it. I don't want no part of it. I don't want that old time way. There rose a generation that knew not God. Or the works of God. Thank you, Lord. God, you're so good. God, move on this church. God, stir this church up. Set it on fire, Lord. Lord, let the winds of Pentecost blow through here. God, bring an upper room experience in this church. Take us back, Lord, to the old landmark. Oh, God, where we trusted you, where we loved to serve you, 
We didn't worry about what people thought. We didn't worry about what's happening in the world. But we was concerned about what was happening in your kingdom. What was taking place in your church. There rose a generation who knew not God. Are the worship.